0: In 2013, Embedded Combat Photographer Robert Cunningham and uh, Steve Hartov uh, joined forces to devise a lasting tribute to our American service members serving in Afghanistan. Robert is a uh, well-known, actually world-renowned combat photographer, and uh, this project, uh, he went through about 55,000 photographs to put together this amazing book. This book is called Afghanistan on the Bounce. And uh, it's about our uh, U.S. military forces uh, in Afghanistan on the ground. How you doing, Robert? Good to good to hear you, man. So why don't we start off with what you do for a living and why you chose to go to Afghanistan to be embedded with our troops. You know, early on was, I was working you know, fresh out of, out of college, working a,
1: you a know, standard day-to-day 9-to-5 job. But I had to uh, spend the evenings with my friends who had, who had been overseas or otherwise, and I kept hearing them, you know, watch the news and then turn around and say, well, that, you know, has nothing to do with what we were really doing. That's that's not at all accurate, you know, and I would see them get frustrated to watch as, as the news covered things that just wasn't at all the, the full spectrum of, of life. So one day I was lamenting to them that I was medically disqualified from active duty and wasn't able to go, and one of them made Tommy go to and I said, well, what does that have to do and, and He said, I've thought about there. And uh, with that suggestion, you know, I started, you, know, and, you know, a few short months later, I stepped off uh, the plane for a three-month embedment, my first one, with uh, the 1st Infantry Division. And so it originally came about with the fact that I, I was watching people that, you know, had been over there and watching their frustration with the fact that uh, people just didn't know what life was like for them.
0: You wanted to join the service, didn't you, at uh, early on in your career?
1: Yeah, my, my whole family has served in some manner, you know, and so when I, I graduated high school, I had taken the ASVAB and was on a fast track into the into the military when uh, they discovered fibromyalgia, a muscle and connective tissue disorder that was beyond the waiverable limits. And after my third time through uh, the processing stations, they just said, uh, we're not going to let you do this and so uh that was you know a heartbreaking day to try to figure out you know now what do i do and you know in, in hindsight i'm i'm uh somewhat glad that that occurred because i wouldn't have been able to have carried my cameras over there and i wouldn't have been able to you know bring the attention that we've been able to bring to the situations uh had i gotten in
0: right yeah i did uh, i did the same thing i um i was in the service from uh Seventy three, seventy six, and I signed up for Nam, and uh, I really wanted to go. Um, I had a uh, my father's uh, one of my father's cousins was a uh, war hero. Hero. He was a uh, uh, helicopter pilot. Um, spent, if you can believe it, uh, almost eight years there in Vietnam, early sixties. So I grew up aspiring to uh, you know these heroes and. Uh, I got sent to Diego Garcia instead, which was probably a good idea. Um, but but I, I I really loved being a corpsman, and uh, even though I wasn't a combat corpsman, I did uh, handle some uh, uh, situations en route to uh, uh, better facilities. Let's just put it that way. S- so, listen, um, okay, you're embedded with how many uh uh, well, you were on like 150 combat missions, and you were embedded with uh, 30 or 40 units. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, over you know the normal standard embedment is about four days long, uh, four or seven days. And hmm. when I got attached the first uh, time with the First Infantry Division, I mean overall the, the major divisions I was I was with there was four or five of them, but with the subunits and battalions and and such, it was a much larger number. And the advantage of uh, getting to, to be there for three months was a, a lot of moving around, rather than your standard news guys that, that are only there for under a week. Mm. And uh, then getting to go back twice thereafter, you know, is has allowed me to spend quite a lot of time uh, outside the wire and, and and moving from one unit to another and really getting to know the guys in, in it. So I'd spend about two weeks with with each you know, major command, hmm. and on to another one. So it was a pretty uh, fascinating view of uh, full spectrum of what's going on.
0: How did the troops um, treat you? Um, I know, uh, well, I know a number of vets who, uh, you know, didn't like the idea of embedding correspondents and photographers when we went uh, over to the sandbox a few years ago. Um, how, how were you received?
1: Uh, the enemy in the camp. You know, the, uh, mm. the very first time, you know, whenever I first arrived, mm. I was I was always the enemy in the camp because these men knew nothing about me. These men and women, they did, they knew nothing about me. They knew no background on me. Um, mm. And as I've said before, you know, and what I told them, I said, you know, their cautiousness or reservedness with with uh, the military, with embeds or even their, you know, outright hatred of, of embeds is uh, a very earned hatred. It, it's a uh, earned by them trusting one too many of the, of the people that were there to hurt them and, you know, dealing with people who did not understand the sensitivities of operational security or personal security and, and then jeopardized and, and risked our soldiers' lives by, you know, just trying to get a news story. And so at first it was always uh, a very big uphill battle that required a lot of downtime talking with them and a lot of time of, of them getting to know me and getting to where they understood the fact that I understood their job. I knew what they were doing, and I knew how uh, my job affected theirs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, getting to know that under that understanding, you know, it, it took a little while. You know, each each unit some adapted in a day or two, and some uh, never adapted the entire time I was there. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have a um, Do you have a favorite uh, group that you were with? Um, I mean.
1: Uh not, not to insult any of the great and wonderful units I was with,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> first, and, first and foremost, the Blue Spaders, the, uh, the 1st Battalion, 26th Infantry Regiment, uh, that was at the time under the 1st Infantry Division, which has now been kicked over to being under the 101st. So the Blue Spaders, which has a lineage goes all the way back uh, to World War Two and such, uh,
0: getting big, to be
1: with them was, was incredible.
0: Big Red One? Is that the Big Red One?
1: Yeah, they were at the time, the Big Red yeah, One. Yeah, yeah, so spending all my time with the Big Red One. Task yeah. Force Duke was the, the first, you know, unit to give me three-month embedment, and yeah. uh, so spending that time with the Big Red One, but particularly the Blue Spaders, and the Big Red One, they really, uh, they hold a, hmm. a large uh, part of my heart. Hmm.
0: Where are these kids from, man? Um, like, all over, the, or were they just, you know... At,
1: at, at the time, it was Fort Knox, oh. uh, and there were some Fort Riley guys as well, but Hmm. Fort Knox was really where the Blue Spaders was, was at and hmm. then now the Blue Spaders have uh, taken up headquarters and they were they were shut down for a little while and then they reflagged over at the Hundred and First over at Fort Campbell.
0: Wow. Wow, crazy. How how has this book been received um with with vets in general? You know, it um I'm a well. Uh, my career has been art direction, creative direction, and shot a lot of photography. Uh, been behind the camera, so on and so forth. One thing I noticed immediately, um, you've got an amazing eye. Uh, you've got one of those natural eyes that uh, seem to be able to uh, find its own way. I mean, uh, some of these photographs are 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 just so compelling because you've been able to capture. Uh, the soul of the of a lot of these soldiers. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> I mean, well, you is know, it is it innate? I, <laughs> Sorry, we get
1: asked the you know the question all the time on whether or not hmm. you know as a photographer whether or not having the eye is is something natural or something taught. And it's a it's a marriage of both, but you have to be able to see the world and then appreciate it. And I guess you know getting to to understand what the guys are doing and, you know, being with them, mm. uh, you know, while you're there is the fly in the wall. It's, right. it's, uh, it's quite a task to, to, to really get to know the guys. And once they start opening up, then, then the camera can capture mm. a lot more.
0: Um, okay. You're embedded with these, uh, 40 or some odd, uh, uh, units, um, 145, missions, you got to know the soldier, uh, the American boots on the ground soldier. What did you learn about the people there, about the indigenous people?
1: You know, one of the most striking conversations I had with the with the gentleman was a village elder, and I and I uh, asked my the on scene captain, who was in charge of the unit I was embedded with, if I could ask some you know questions that were going to be offensive and. He said, yeah, you know, we'll just go walk away, and you can you can ask this guy whatever you, you want, you know, without worrying about offending us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I asked the, the village elder, I said, you know, by and large, do you feel that the U.S. presence here has been positive or negative? And, you know, his, his response was uh, along the lines of, you know, over the years, many armies have come. They've arrested who they think is bad. They kill who they think is bad. They destroy our buildings. They rebuild our buildings. Then they come to our market, and they buy from our market, and then they leave. And he goes, and now the Americans have come. They've arrested who they think is bad. They've killed who they think is bad. They uh, you know, have destroyed our buildings. Now they've rebuilt our buildings. And now you're buying from our markets. And here soon you will leave. And all I wonder is who comes next to my market. You know, the reality of the Afghan people is uh, – by and large, they do not understand a life where I've never experienced a life without warfare. Even as, as high up as the 70-year-olds and such, this is their life. This is what their life has always been. And if they're not fighting an outside threat, they're fighting internal threats. It's the, the Afghan people are fractured core, and so when you see them, you know it's it's the life they live is something unequal, and it's not something that that they uh, they take lightly.
0: Mm. I must have tore you up. You know? I mean
1: I, I think about I think about the people every day. There yeah. was some, some kids that we, we were with and there was my last trip in September I, I was talking to one of the uh locals that was helping me, you know, and uh he told me that he was getting ready to flee the country because he knew that when uh the US pulled out in the next couple of months which is what we expected, uh he knew that uh he would not be safe there in his country anymore, hmm. and because he had helped us, yeah. and it, it does. It tears me up when when I see things about uh, refugees run into Pakistan, then Pakistan pushing the refugees back into Afghanistan into camps. I I wonder and worry where where the people that took care of me, where they're living now. What are they? What is their normal life? Hmm.
0: I I can't imagine living like that. I mean, you know, growing up in the fifties and sixties, of course, you had your own. You know, you had. Problems and trials and daily life and all this crap, but I, I just cannot uh, fathom because uh, uh, I've never lived that way. I, I just I just can't do it. I mean, there's got to be a, there's got to be another book in that, right? I mean, yeah. the eyes you of know, those that, people. That
1: was the thing is when we wrote the book, we uh, we had to ask ourselves which book we wrote because we had images and experiences of all
0: kinds, and mm-hmm. The first
1: one we wanted to write was. Uh, just what our guys are going through. There's so many soldiers come home, people thank them for what they do, but so many people have no idea what, what the day-to-day life for our soldiers in Afghanistan is. And I think right now, you know, we lose on an average about 22 veterans a day that commit suicide.
0: Right. And I feel
1: that uh, we lose them primarily because we don't understand them. And if, if you don't understand what someone's going through, they can sit in a room full of people and be lonely and be alone in a room full of people uh, that becomes a very terrifying, solitary existence that, you know, uh, can push them to, to thinking that suicide is the better option. And I think that by bringing some understanding as to what our guys have gone through so that uh, people can can more relate or at least understand what our guys are going through, we can cut back on that number.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the casualties in this uh, modern warfare is t- uh, quite a bit different than the casualties in. in other wars, um, Vietnam had its own problems, uh, there were a lot of mines, but, uh, this is a totally different type of, um, uh, of, uh, of war, and, uh, it's, it, it just, it rips me up when I see these young kids, um, coming back and, you know, no limbs and this and that, it's just, it's, it's horrible, it's, a uh, it's horrible, you know a lot of people glorify war. Uh, a lot of people glorify the warrior um, but all the warriors uh, that I've met that have gone through combat are uh, uh, most of them are humble you know they uh, they they're trained to fight, trained to kill, but it's not necessarily what they like to do.
1: You know, and that's and that's the thing, is, you know, when I sit around with some of my friends that are of different political views or otherwise than I am, you know, I sit with some of them and, and I, as I told, uh, somebody made a comment about, a disparaging comment about the military guys and, and said that, you know, that they personally were much more for peace. And I said, now, who do you think has a bigger stock in peace? Do you think it's the person sitting in a coffee shop in in Arizona? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it's the person who is getting shot at? Mm-hmm. I personally think that the person getting shot at desires and seeks peace far more than, than someone sitting at leisure at, at home, because someone sitting at leisure at home can, can wish for peace in the world. But somebody getting shot at, peace in the world means they're not getting shot at. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the people that are going through you know, the conflict zones, the people of Afghanistan, and the people that are, are soldiers that are, that are serving over there, they're, in my opinion, they're realists. They understand the fact that, that war will always be there, and they've chosen to, to stand and do what they need to do in hopes of making a better life for the people around them. And so it's one of those things of, I think, that the people who seek peace the most are the guys that, are, that unfortunately, have to pick up a weapon and go and, and make peace, which is, I understand the idea that that seems ironic and backwards, but in all in all reality, you can sit around and hope for peace or you can go do it.
0: Yeah. My um, uh, early on, I mentioned uh, my father's uh, cousin. Uh, his name was Frank Mariano. He, he uh, uh, became actually bureau chief out of Tokyo for CBS or ABC News uh, during the uh, uh, pullout in Vietnam, and he was on the uh, uh, he was at the DMZ every night reporting. Um, and he spent he spent over six years uh, in Vietnam. And whenever he'd come back, you know, he'd, he'd come and visit and tell stories. And I remember asking him once, you know, uh, Uncle Frank, why, why do you do this? You know, why are you there? And is it is it the is it the hero thing? Is it the you know the the combat thing? He goes, No, it's because I love those people, and those people deserve better. And I'm there because I just love those people. They're, they're amazing people. And uh, that that kind of set the tone for me. Um, uh, I've learned that empathy and compassion uh, from, you know, heroes like my uh, Uncle Frank. Hmm. Crazy. Well, listen, you know, uh, go ahead, Speak, please, please, go, it's, go, go. It's one,
1: those, it's one of those things because, you know, I even had this conversation with my wife this last week as to why I, I continue to go back to Afghanistan and, and such. And, you know, it saddens me when I hear Americans, you know, disparage uh, the people of Afghanistan, you know, and you hear about these, you know, terror attacks that happened, even the the most recent one that happened here in the United States against our Marines and their recruiting stations and the Navy guy, you know, I, you know, you hear people, lo- you know, lump everybody into a big thing and say, you know, all Muslims are bad and all this. It's like, well, I owe my life to some, so very brave Muslims in Afghanistan. And so it's one of those things of the people of Afghanistan, you know, are, are very different than what people think. And and my heart goes out to them. But, you know, in reality, the reason I went and did what I did is for our service members who come home and our, for our service members, more importantly, that didn't come home. And, you know, it's, it's the idea of as long as I'm able to do it, I'll, I'll be doing as best I can to show and Show the life that our guys go through because people need to understand what what life is really
0: like. Right, and and that's the sense I got out of your book, um, because it does show the daily life of a uh, of a you know any soldier over there. Um, who um who who thought out the process of of, of this book was it um uh, who's it? I'm sorry was it you collaborating with a team of people or, um, because the, you know, this book really flows nice. I mean, it's, it's very, it's,
1: I had the great, the great privilege. I mean, the first person that, you know, would listen to me when I came home and was a guy by the name of James Craddock. And and he Hmm. really spurred me to, to actually get the job done and go forward with it. So that was a huge step forward. And then, you know, having, uh, the, the great people at insight Editions in Northern California who assisted with kind of the layout, some of the, the flow of it. And then, you know, of course I most importantly w- would be Steve Harton who spent hours and hours with me uh, crafting the wording and, and, you know, debating fine little points of the book and, and really getting it to become what it is. So I owe a lot to insight Editions and I owe, I owe a lot to, to James and Steve.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like books, and uh, this, well, anyway, this is this is going to be on my shelf. Actually, um, how how's the distribution going, and who's buying this thing now? Um, I I hope it's selling.
1: It is, yeah. It's it's we've seen quite a, quite a lot of sales, you know. And we've got our uh, at, you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble have have copies of it, and uh, then we have a website at AfghanistanBook.com. Uh, or afgotb.com, dot com, which everyone's easiest, you know, book dot com. We've got them there as well. So distribution of it, you know, up until recently has been through a major distribution house uh, back east. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as we're as we're coming down to the last little bit of the first edition, first printing uh, distribution has has been more centralized to a to a house here in Phoenix.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so right now uh, we're we've got the. Uh, the distribution house in Phoenix now has all the copies of the books. Hmm. And so uh, getting them now is the best, the best bet is going to be Afghanistan on the Bounce uh, or AfghanistanBook.com, uh, where you can get uh, signed copies coming out of our facility here in Phoenix. Hmm.
0: So, what do you do for a real job, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: many many of my friends ask me that question on a daily basis.
0: I think my wife asked me that at least twice.
1: Uh, I'm very I'm very blessed. That right now, the camera the camera really carries me through a lot of the the jobs and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. we've got some other investments and you know got a camera that that we rent out and works in, in Hollywood and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we have kind of our fingers in a lot of different things. But right now, uh, my day to day love and passion is, is really the camera. And uh, getting to spend my time behind it is a is a wonderful thing.
0: Hmm. And um, what are you uh, what are you going to be doing uh, for the rest of your life? Is this is this you know? Are you like an Edward Steichen who's never going to draw uh, leave without his camera? You know, beside uh, by his bedside, or, or is this? Uh, do you have anything down the road? Uh, anything big you want to accomplish, or are you just going to? see where life takes you.
1: Hmm. You know, it's, it's one of those things that's come to the point now where where I'm pretty much never without a camera, hmm. you know. But uh, my my hope is that once this book gets done, we're working on a couple other projects. We have a couple uh, potential projects in the work that we're doing some paperwork on to see if we can get, get our approvals there. And then, uh, hmm. you know, ideally in the next uh, you know, about the next three or four years, after about three or four years, and in, in the next couple of years uh, I'm hoping to Maybe step foot into the into the White House for at least a brief stint would be kind of nice, and hmm. you know, then uh, then hopefully I'd, I'd like to, you know, continue. I mean, there's a great photographer out there by the name of Annie Leibovitz. It's one of the best, if not the best, living photographer right now. Oh, she's and, she's uh,
0: insane. I I've been following yeah. her for 30 years. I mean, she's nuts. <laughs> she's she's yeah. tweaked. I mean, she's so good. Yeah
1: yeah she's a, she's amazing yeah and so uh, you know the reality is, mm. is unfortunately the human the human body only lasts a certain amount of time yeah unfortunately someday we're gonna we're gonna lose her and uh, yeah I would like to be uh numbered among the few that can mm. pick up her mantle, but that's wow. uh that's high aspirations, and some would call that a delusion of grandeur, but mm. i'm i can I can wish and hope what I want
0: well most um most decent people I've met, most accomplished people I've met are delusional, <laughs> which, 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 and I'm delusional, but that doesn't stop me from doing what I want to do. <laughs> uh, well, there's,
1: you know, there's, there's a certain point where you, when you got to realize the fact that, you know, if you were rational and you thought it all through, we'd never do half the stuff that we do. Damn
0: right. You know? Damn right. And denial. Uh, I remember a psychiatrist telling me something uh, in the, in the effect that denial is one of the most powerful tools that the human being can use uh it can get you can get you through anything. and i know you've experienced that because a you were there with the troops b you've you know you live with them you saw what they had to go through some of these kids are uh some of these kids are are phenomenal um
1: uh, they've gone through some hard times i'll tell you that and they're doing the best they can to cope when they come home
0: yeah all right. So, uh, how long you been married? You got kids? You got any other hobbies? Uh, give me, give me.
1: You know, I've been. My, my poor wife has tolerated me for ten years now, and <laughs> uh, you know, the two of us and the and you know the three pets, two cats and a dog that that go through life together. You know, and <laughs> it's a uh, it's wonderful it's a wonderful thing that she's done. That you know, but I have a couple hobbies. I so I'm a, a diehard Star Wars fan. Love mm. reading the old books and. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm a rated helicopter pilot and a certified scuba diver. So oh, cool. Uh, and then you know, there's there's a large part of me for years that worked in the, in the firearms business in the world. So mm. whenever I get a get some chance to go out to the gun range and mm. you know squeeze a squeeze a few rounds off, I try my hardest to get out there and, and do what I can do.
0: Um. You know that brings me to one more question I want to ask you because I've always, I've never asked any uh, photographer a report of this. Were you able to use a weapon if uh, when you needed it, or um, I'm sure you were in danger at some point?
1: Well, you know the, the position of a of an embed or otherwise is a non-combatant position, and therefore uh, the use of a, or carrying of a, of a weapon would be. Uh, against the, the, the rules of armed conflict and, mm. and potentially against even things like the Geneva Convention. Mm. Uh, but the reality of, of the situation is, of course, mm. you know uh, we have a right to defend our human life if, if need be. But uh, the short answer is, is the position uh, is not a position where you carry a, a weapon over there. Mm.
0: Well, I need to add some good boys on the left and right of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's, I, mm. I, I tell people that, Countless times, I didn't have to worry about carrying a weapon. I carried uh, 23 weapons and 23 <laughs> guys to operate them. Wow! And, uh, wow!
0: You
1: know, you know why, why carry a gun when you can carry a soldier?
0: There you go. Uh, there you go. I, I I get that totally. Um, well, this has been great. Uh, Robert Cunningham, a uh, pretty decent guy, I think. Uh, I get a good sense from him. Uh, I can tell you, he's got a a great eye and a great sense for, uh, capturing, uh, emotion, feeling the soul of our soldiers who have, uh, who have fought, um, his new book, Afghanistan on the bounce, um, authored with, uh, Stephen Hartov, uh, is that right? Hartov or Hartov? Yeah. Hartov. 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 Yeah. Um, I, uh, I enjoy the book. Do you think I can get a signed copy of uh, from you someday, man?
1: Absolutely. Oh, that'd be great. All you got to do is get, get, get me your information. I'll be glad to send it down the line.
0: You want me to get it through your agent?
1: That's perfectly fine, too. Yeah,
0: all right, cool. Afghanistan on the bounce. Uh, boots on the ground with the U.S. Military and the International Security Assistance Force, Robert L. Cunningham. And uh, anybody who's a vet, Anybody who uh, has a family member uh, serving, um, I would highly recommend this. It's a very beautiful, well-done book. Robert, thank you very much. Um, It was very enjoyable. I uh, appreciate your time. My privilege. All right, man, go get them, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you uh, down the road, see what you've been up to. That
1: sounds good. I appreciate
0: that. All right, Robert. Thank you very much, sir.
1: No worries. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.